Hello, this is Kevin Barrett saying, don't shoot the piano player, don't shoot the messenger, don't shoot anybody if you can help it, just shoot off your mouth. That's what I do at Truth Jihad Radio. If you want to help me do it, just go to truthjihad.com and click on the subscribe at Substack button. That's truthjihad.com. Welcome to Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett looking all over the world for the truth about all sorts of things that the mainstream won't tell you. And uh, boy, we have a long list of such topics, don't we? And today we're going to get into the issues of race. That's that's one of the taboo issues you're not supposed to talk about. It. Just like vaccines, I think. If you say the wrong things about race, you get you get banned everywhere except for the UNS review. And uh, and there, if you try to talk about race, you might find a whole bunch of comments from crazy racists, because that's the only place they're allowed to state their opinions, which are so obnoxious that maybe they shouldn't be allowed to state their opinions anywhere. I don't know. Anyway, it's it's getting crazy all over, including in South Africa, I imagine. But it's not as crazy in South Africa as some of those racists think it is. And here to talk about that is somebody who's actually gone all the way to South Africa to see it firsthand, and that would be Lynn Din. He's the current Truth Jihad Radio roving global correspondent uh, since, uh, unfortunately, Andre Volchek passed away, Allah Yerhamhu. So now it's it's up to Lynn to travel all over the world and tell us what's really going on in these places. So, hey, welcome, Lynn Din. How are you doing? Yeah, great, man. Great, great, great to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah. Great to have you back. So, you're, you know, every time I talk to you, it seems like you're in a different country and, you know, you had a great time in Albania and now you're in South Africa and writing about it. And, uh, in, as usual, getting obnoxious comments <laughs> from commenters at, at UNS. I, well, I more, more than, more than usual, because I'm touching on the issue of race, you know, and I'm talking about black people, uh, you know, in, in a very nuanced ways. I mean, I'm not depicting them as just thinking criminals like the way these racists want to, you know, see them. You know, they insist that, you know, all these blacks must be out to kill and rape white people all the time. And it's just not fucking true, man. At least not in South Africa. I mean, there are issues here. But the majority of the blacks are just regular employees. I mean, they work, okay? Yeah, like everywhere else. I, I had the same kind of, <laughs> I had the same conversation. I had the same argument with some of those idiots when I first started publishing at UNS. And, uh, you know, I, like I lived in black neighborhoods in San Francisco for quite a long time. I, I actually lived on the street parking my 1955 converted Chevy school bus uh, in the uh, the Lower Haight and the Fillmore districts of San Francisco, which at that time were majority African-American. And then I also lived out by Visitation Valley next to the one, uh, you know, seriously bad housing project in, <laughs> in San Francisco. And I took the bus every day through Hunter's Point, which is the other, like, you know, kind of so-called ghetto or, you know, not such great African-American neighborhood in San Francisco. This was in the 80s and uh, early 90s. And... You know, and then I moved, ended up, the last place I lived in the Varia was uh, the corner of Emeryville, Oakland, and Berkeley, which is also, uh, we were kind of on the edge of a majority black neighborhood. And so I used to play basketball with black people at public playgrounds and basic, you know, go to parties in the Fillmore, Lower Haight with uh, like, and sometimes I was like almost the only white guy there. And so I try to explain this to these racists at UNS and uh, they don't get it. What's What's wrong with these people? Yeah, well, a lot of things wrong with them. But here's the thing, man. I mean, I talk about black crime, too. Okay, I live in Philadelphia, and I hung out, uh, you know, in some pretty bad neighborhoods. I mean, I would go to Camden, 
So, I mean, I'm not a stranger to black crime, okay? Or, you know, just evil and very dangerous ghettos, okay? I know about that. And I've talked about black crime before. But that doesn't mean that I, I'm going to approach each black person as somebody who's going to kill me, okay? That's just, from my experience, that's just absurd, okay? I mean, you treat everybody as an individual until you see something that is, you know, um, alarming, okay? So, I mean, I've had many black friends. Uh, I used to go wash windows with a guy in Philadelphia when I, whenever I ran out of money, when I had nothing left. I would go to uh, Lee Golston, uh, despite his name, he's not a Jew, Lee Golston, and we would go wash the windows of like 7-Elevens together, okay? I would get like three bucks a job, five bucks a job. I mean, it was nothing, but it was enough to eat, okay? So, but anyway, I'm just, he's yeah, one so, so well, when, I mean, when you're a poet in America, I guess you have to do that kind of stuff sometimes. I, I had, I, I was a bohemian type for a while, and my poet friends were also <laughs> finding ways to make yeah. money like that, too. I actually have to admit, I, mean, I, I, did I didn't do it for the fun of it. I had yeah. to. Okay? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't any romance. I was like, man, this sucks, you know? In the winter, you're washing windows outside, and sometimes the water would freeze on the, on the window pane. Before I could even scrape it. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. No. So, but you're now kind of blaspheming against the catechism of these uh, these racists when you portray South Africa as something other than the total hellhole that they like to think it is. I mean, according to you know, we see this from this Eliana Mercer, whoever uh, she I think she might have she might be like. Is she an expatriate South African or something? And she 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 is from Cape Town. Yeah, and and, that, uh, and yeah. I I read her book before I came here. I mean, I use her I use her book as a kind of a reference. Right. Okay. And and, and so there's a bit, and, and she's maybe part of it, but there's there's a whole myth among this alt right sort of white racist uh, world that South Africa is is so terrible, you know, after apartheid. So it's kind of the opposite of the the liberal myth that South Africa was terrible under apartheid, and then it became. Uh, perfect and liberated and free and democratic after and and so there's this counter myth now and so if you go and blaspheme against their counter myth by saying south africa is actually still pretty nice uh they all want to lynch you well i'm not saying it's pretty nice but i'm saying they are nice parts yeah okay i'm not i'm not saying overall it's pretty nice but like cape town is actually the nicest city uh in south africa and there are parts of cape town that are, that are as, as nice as any places i've seen okay and i did not know this until i got here all right. So um, and I point out that um, most Jews have stayed here. They have not gone to Israel or anywhere else. OK, so they must know something. And the real estate market here is dominated by Jews and they sell to other Jews. OK, so, you know, uh, they're obviously not worried about their own safety or investment or they wouldn't be here. Uh, about um, 10 minutes from me is a, is a neighborhood of million dollar houses. And I didn't even know about this until I took a walk one day. I'm like, wow, man, this is absurd. Like the number of just gorgeous houses I was looking at, you know. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's why you travel, because you don't know. You don't know what it's going to like. Before I got here, I didn't know how many miles I could walk, because wherever I go, I must walk. That's how I experience the place. And, you know, um, there was an Unch reader who, who's a native uh, Ketonian. He warned me against walking. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad he did, you know, because he was looking out for me. He said, you will be taking your life into your own hands. And uh, I pray to God I'm wrong, you know. I mean, he, he sounded very alarmed. And in a way, it was good to get to have that warning because, you know, you can be killed here, okay? Uh, I mean, it, it, some of the townships are very dangerous. I've talked to people who have gotten, uh, you know, uh, their cell phone stolen, multiple cell phones stolen, one woman at gunpoint. So um, it's no joke. But on the other hand, there are great restaurants, uh Great, you know, just great neighborhoods, you know, and um, and obviously the best neighborhoods are inhabited by white people. 
and they sold by black people. Okay, and that's what I saw with my own eyes. And that's you know. Uh, so when I point yeah, that, out, wait a minute, that, that's politically incorrect too. Huh? <laughs> that's politically well, incorrect. Well, I mean, they're still here, man, and they're still rich. Some of them. Okay, and I also talk. I also talk to poor whites. I, and I discuss all this. Okay, I try to be as fair as possible. I talk about the blacks, the color, and Cape Town is mostly color. Okay, they they, they categorize as color. And the color is kind of strange because some of them would be seen as simply blacks in the United States, but some of them could could be could pass for white. You know, I, I was in a car with a color guy, and uh, he was talking to somebody you know that he knew you know standing around. The guy was smoking pot, you know, in the yard. And I said, who? I, I asked the guy, who, who who's that white guy? He said, what what white guy? I said, the guy you just talked to. He said, he's not a white guy. He's a color guy. So he looks white to me, you know. So I mean, it's very confusing. So, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a little bit like that here in the U.S. too. For a long time, though, they had these kinds of Southern laws where people who were up to something like one thirty-second black had to be considered black. So the kind of mixed race population in the U.S. got categorized as black, which is why we think of Obama as a black president rather than an Irish American president. He, he really was America's second Irish American president. He's half Irish American, but for right. some reason, nobody notices that. Right. Right, and uh, an, another uh, oddity here was uh, there were a lot of uh, Oriental. I like to I like the word Oriental because you know exactly what I mean. If I say Asian, it could be a Lebanese guy. A lot of Oriental sailors passing through here, okay, and um, Vietnamese, Taiwanese, Japanese, Filipinos. They were passing through here because they were fishing off the coast, and when they when they were in town, they would patronize the prostitutes, okay. So during apartheid. A Japanese was classified as white. Can you can you believe that? <laughs> hmm. I, I wonder where they come up with this stuff. <laughs> well, because because Japan was actually still friendly with South Africa, and you know uh, South Africa had almost no friends then. So they they you know um, so it was an honor to call Japanese white. <laughs> did the Japanese did the Japanese take that as an honor? Well, it, it matters because, for example, you cannot have interracial sex during apartheid. Okay. And most of the prostitutes were color. Okay? So if she was caught with a Japanese, she could say he was Korean because a Korean was a color guy. <laughs> oh, man. It, it must have been kind of complicated in those days. Yeah. But, I mean, she knew the laws. I mean, the Japanese guy couldn't care less. But she could say, well, you know, this is not uh, illegal because he's Korean. All right? <laughs> but if the Japanese guy was with a white woman, a white prostitute, she could say, well, he's white too. You see? I mean, the absurdity of the law, huh? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I, I studied some of this stuff. Uh, you know, my uh, PhD is in African languages and literature, and of course I focused on North Africa and Islam and, and Sufism and things like that. But I did have to read, I had to actually earn a master's degree in African languages and literature, which was actually heavily South Africa fo focused because, you know, wow. a couple of the main guys in the department were main, were South Africa guys. People like uh, Harold Scheub was actually my advisor, even though he didn't know very much about the but, stuff but I was doing. You, huh? Yeah, you no, those guys. No, oh, yeah, no, those guys were like always going to South Africa. Uh, no, no, you. I'm oh, talking me. about you. No, no, no I didn't. Uh, no, I, I, I know people have told me I should. Uh, I had all these Sufi friends who said I had to go to South Africa to to meet uh, the uh, head of the Murabi Tun order, uh, who recently yeah. passed away. And then I've also, I've met some really cool Muslims from uh, South Africa when I was in Malaysia recently studying with Sheikh Imran Hossein. 
I mean, they say they had great things to say about South Africa and invited me. So I've, I've been invited a few times and I would love to go. Maybe, uh, if you keep inviting me and, and some of these other people start chiming in, who knows? Maybe I'll why find you, a way to get there. you come, man, just fly over here, you know? Yeah. Go to Cape Town. I mean, it's, it's a gorgeous city. It's unbelievably beautiful. All right. Sometimes I'm just walking down the street and I'm like, I can't believe I'm here. It, it's not beautiful. And they don't demand a uh, proof of vaccination to get in? No. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Right. I'm just afraid if I go anywhere now, suddenly I'm not going to be able to travel after, you know, they'll, they'll lock me down somewhere and say I can't leave without a vaccine passport. Uh, well, you can always go back to the States, right? I mean, they're not going to block you from returning. Yeah. The way things are going, you know, with Biden, like escalating, yeah. he's, he's turning the thumbscrews tighter, you know, every week or two, it seems like. So who knows? It's got, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, I was just a little antsy about even just going to San Francisco. I just spent, uh, five days in San Francisco and, you know, you can't go into restaurants there without showing a proof of vaccination or a reasonable facsimile thereof. I actually showed a, a parody vaccination card. I made a parody card. So, you know, it was, you know, claiming I got vaccinated at the depopulation clinic and, and the eugenics pharmacy <laughs> with, uh, with, you know, I, I got the Fuxer vaccine on one of PHUXER and, uh, and, uh, and the Jones, uh, yeah, Jonestown and Jonestown you, vaccine. You should show that online, man. That, that sounds Yeah, yeah. Well, I have actually, I posted that with a recent radio listing. Oh, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually the people in the restaurants are pretty cool in San Francisco, so I didn't have a huge problem. Um, although none of them laughed, so I don't think they were even reading it. It's pretty small print. <laughs> <laughs> well, South Africa is completely open, man. I mean, uh, I'm I'm on a street, Gloof Street, and it 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 um, Long Street is the main street of Cape Town, and uh, you know, um, Gloof Street just goes straight into Long Street, and there's so many great restaurants and cafes and bars, and you know, in the evening, most oh, well, not most because of the uh, there are not as many tourists here, but many of them are packed. Okay, and, and the variety of food here, I've never eaten better. I mean, this this place is really first rate. You know, the sophistication here is um, unbelievable. And they're not asking for proof of vaccination to get into any place. None, 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 man, none. Huh. Because, I mean, they cannot shut down the economy like that. I mean, the people here must work. Well, maybe you're right. Maybe I am going to have to, like, flee to South Africa and become a refugee. <laughs> <laughs> I met a guy here. I met a guy here, Kevin. Uh, he's um, he's an Arab, okay, but uh, educated in, um, in in Europe, and he's decided to move here to get into real estate, okay. So he's he's learning the trade because he speaks French, English, Arab. You know, he, he he's he's going to be a great real estate uh, realtor. And like I said, man, there are million dollar houses here, so the rich people are moving in, okay, <laughs> Germans, Brits, and uh, Arabs and Chinese. Primarily, but uh, you know, people are moving in. So if they in, uh, uh, stupid, then time will tell. But you know, it's not a place where everybody's trying to get out. Okay, I mean, I met people who 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 have. I met a guy who was about to leave. Okay, so but he, because he had a UK wife, and I think he, the the English wife just had enough of, of South Africa. What didn't she like about it? Well, I mean, you know, there are, there are issues here. There are issues here. You know. Uh, but like I said, I mean, like uh, Cape Town, if you stick to like the, the so-called safe neighborhoods, you should be fine. Although I, I have noticed I, I don't see children running around the streets. OK, in Albania, I saw kids everywhere playing, you know, often unattended. I ha I, you don't see that here usually. OK, o almost never. Mm -hmm. OK, so and, you know, houses have barbed wires and electric fences. I mean, so it is serious. I'm not talking. I mean, there is a security issue. Yeah. But uh, if people, you know, uh, are aware and alert, they, they can function here perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, well, that's kind of how I've experienced most 
places where I've been and walked in neighborhoods that some people are afraid to walk in and, and lived in neighborhoods that apparently there are people that are afraid to live in and uh, never had problems. You just have to pay attention. I mean, yeah, I, I knew people who, I knew women who had their purses snatched here and sometimes there were break-ins. Hey, I was just over at the, the film festival in Oakland. You know, I went to the Bay Area for the 9-11 Truth Film Festival and the guy who was one of the equipment guys there had his his minivan or his whatever the heck you call it, the suburban type thing, smashed. They, somebody smashed a window, and apparently they must have tried to steal something in there. Or maybe they just smashed the window to see if there was anything in there worth see, stealing. Anyway, the, the rear window of this vehicle was completely destroyed when we got out of the theater at, in the evening when the program was over. Um, it's And I've heard rumors that the East Bay is getting much worse in that regard. You know, I, I used to live over there, as I said, in 92, 93, I think it was, 94. And, uh, yeah, I've heard rumors that you just, you know, most of these places now, or a lot of them, you know, you, you park and like there, there are hotels that used to be pretty good. Like in Berkeley, apparently, I saw some hotel reviews where apparently there've been just routine, uh, window smashings of vehicles. Like you can't park there anymore or you're going to have your window smashed. So, this sort of thing is a problem in a lot of places. Uh, but yeah, South Africa apparently has this kind of unique publicity about how terrible it is. And it's... Well, the rioting was on the other side of the country, Kevin, in Durban, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't in Cape Town. And so what what was that rioting about? Well, uh, that, that part of the country is populated mostly by Zulus. And the Zulus are not in Cape Town. Okay, so they have, they have no political leverage here. So, um, they were upset over the ex-president being indicted for all kinds of crimes, you know. So um, they were his supporter, you know. But uh, it's a it's a different demographics over there. Is all I'm trying I'm trying to say. Okay, it's, not, it's the other side of the country. Cape Town is a whole different uh, ball game, practically. And here's a, here's the thing: there, there is a movement to separate the eastern Eastern Cape uh, from the rest of the country, and maybe the Northern Cape too. There's the Western Cape. Oh, actually, uh, I mean the Western Cape. To separate the Western Cape and the Northern Cape from the rest of the country, to, you know, but the movement is still weak. And um, and uh, I talked to a color guy about it. I say, well, they it's still seen too much as a white uh, initiative, okay? So uh, and some color are on board with this, but not enough. So basically, they need like an Obama. <laughs> I hate to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, yeah, that'd be, that'd be a, a new career for Obama to go over and become the king of the Cape. <laughs> Pretend he's South African. But they, they need, they need a, uh, well, actually, a darker, darker color guy would be better. Okay. But they cannot have a white face for this independence movement. Okay. Uh, this secession movement. So, um, and, and here's the thing, man. People from the rest of South Africa are moving in to, to, to the Western Cape, uh, basically Cape Town. Okay. And, uh, because it's the, the most, the best run part of the country. I mean, it's the most beautiful, most, uh, you know, it's the best part of the country. Uh, and also a lot of Af- other Africans are moving to South Africa, but they all, they've always done that, even doing apartheid. So it attracts all kinds of Africans. I met so many foreign blacks here. Okay. And that I did, I mean, I didn't expect the number of, 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 of immigrants, black immigrants here. So it's still attracting a lot of people. So getting back to apartheid, um, the thing is, you cannot have a, a, a country with second and third class citizens. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. You're going to, there's just so much resentment and so much anger. It's just not going to work. Okay. So once they had so many blacks inside South Africa, then they had to figure out how, how to treat these people fairly. And they could not come up with a solution. And 
so this is what we have right now. I mean, they came up with a solution which kind of backfired because, like I say, there is the the, the current uh, central government of South Africa is very corrupt and very badly run, and and the crime has gotten you know um, they don't they don't do their jobs, man. I mean, eight percent of murders, only eight percent of murders are, are in convictions, okay, and seven percent of rapes. That's that's atrocious. So they they don't, they don't solve their crimes. You know, so um, it, it is. So uh, people just rely on private security. You know, hmm. you know a lot of people. A lot of private. That, that's, that could be the future of a lot of places, uh, as, as you know, kind of the central states and the you know, the, the centrally uh, governed societies seem to be disintegrating, and you know there are more of these gated private communities here in the U.S. There's you know more of a role for private security, and even the U.S. military is being supplanted by private mercenaries. Uh, you know, the U.S. military yeah. pullout of Af- from Afghanistan. May have happened, but there may be some, you know, private mercenary types that are going to be interested in seeing if they can try to keep the uh, heroin trade going and things like that. So yeah, the, the whole world seems to be moving in that direction. Uh, maybe South Africa is actually yeah. ahead of the times there. I'm not, I'm not endorsing, uh, you know, uh, this country as some kind of model. Okay. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm just reporting what I see and it's a lot more complex than what is depicted in the media is all. Okay, especially with a cur- uh, recent rioting in Durban, it looks like a whole country is going up in flame. It's just not true. Mm-hmm. And, and so, how, how about the uh, issue of pervasive, you know, economic inequality, which drives the crime, at least according to one interpretation? I remember I, I was I was friends with a guy named Daniel Kunene, who was he was one of my professors while I was in the African program at Wisconsin. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away not too long ago. He had been forced to flee South Africa in the 60s after he spoke out against apartheid, and he was plugged into the network of anti-apartheid people there. He lost some friends. He had he had one friend who would come over to take a professorship at the University of Wisconsin who was poisoned by the uh, apartheid secret police who had put, a, I think, some kind of weird chemical or biological material in the guy's clothes in his suitcase while he was traveling. So when he put his suit on after he arrived in Madison... He died uh, horribly, yeah. and, and so Dan Kunene was quite uh, still, you know, very committed to the anti-apartheid perspective, and he saw the kind of the pro-apartheid government and its supporters as as pretty, you know, demonic and really nasty. I can't, can't really blame him, but after the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, he was quite angry about that. He didn't think there should have been that uh, amnesty for all of those torturers and and people who killed his friends. Uh, and he thought also that the post-apartheid situation was going to be very unjust because they were going to keep the economic apartheid. All they were going to do was bring in a new sort of black upper class to serve as the front men. And then the usual suspects, the you know the rich uh, folks, would keep running things behind the scenes and it wouldn't really solve the problem. He thought that you'd need to find a way to, to deal with, with the uh, economic inequality before you could have a, a kind of a decent society. So that was his kind of typically, you know academic left-leaning perspective on things i don't know what, what, well, what do you think this, you mentioned this, the inequality extremely beautiful well, houses people. You, yeah, well you're not you're never going to have uh true economic equality uh, among any groups because different groups have different abilities and you know some groups are going to do better than others okay right, but if it's a relative so, thing it's not you're never going to get absolute equality but you certainly right, can have right. different degrees of relative equality or inequality yeah and and here and here and it, the, the the contrast here is quite stark. I mean, uh, I've I've gone I've been driven through some of the townships, and you see people living in shacks, 
and in, you know, very crude shacks, you know, and uh, where there's almost no stores because, well, first of all, because there's so many, so much crime there. So it's not even worth it to, to, to open a store. I mean, there are only a few stores, let's say, you know, I, I was driving through like this block after block of just, I mean, not all the houses were bad, but I just, I, I asked the guy who drove me, a color guy, like, hey, you know, where are the bars and cafes? He just say there aren't, there aren't any. I say, well, how, where do people, I mean, in Vietnam, it doesn't matter how poor a neighborhood is, you're going to have cafes and bars. Well, the cafes are the bars. You know, you can buy a coffee and, and, and beer at the same place. But you, you're going to have all kinds of, of um, eateries and places to drink. I did not see that in, 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 in the poorer parts of Cape Town. And that, that was just weird to me, you know. And he just said that the crime is just so bad that it's just not worth it to open these places. So, and uh, the, the contrast, you know, in, in my recent UNS review, I just point out the obvious fact that the whites uh, reserve uh, the best real estate for themselves, which is just a fact, okay. And, and, and I got an ang like angry responses to that, which doesn't make any sense. I mean, if, if you're gonna, if you're gonna establish apartheid and you don't take the best land, then you must be really stupid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole idea. Well, wait a minute, but, but if you end, if you end apartheid, then you would kind of think that some of that land might get quote unquote liberated or uh, redistributed or something. <laughs> yeah, but look, how many blacks can afford a, a million dollar house? All right. I'm talking about just really top end neighborhoods. And I just point out the obvious. And it's just, it's funny, man. In, I've written three articles about, actually four now, three on UNS and the fourth just on my own blog. And at UNS, none of the South Africans who commented object to anything I said. You know? So, who, so who, who's I mean, objecting? I obviously, got, I, I obviously got a lot right or else I would have said something. It was only the, the whites, the um, American whites who have never been anywhere near here who were enraged at me. Okay. And, and they didn't even read carefully what I wrote. So they attacked me for things that I didn't even say. You know, one guy insisted I'm, I wasn't in South Africa. I mean, that's how insane these, these guys are. You know, that's why I finally say enough of uns, man. I mean, these people are insane and they are so stupid. So, so did you talk to, to Ron Uns about this and, and see if he had any ideas about how to fix no, the problem? No, you know, in the past, I, I, when I complain about uh, comments, I asked to uh, maybe moderate my own comment, you know, the comment streams uh, after my articles, and, and he he refused to do to let me do that. The thing is, uh, Saylor, uh, Steve Saylor can moderate his own comments, and apparently uh, uh, Colin, Anatoly uh, uh, Colin, okay. So, and and uh, Craig Roberts usually don't even allow comments, so he doesn't have the same policy for all his writers. And in a sense, I need it more than anybody because I'm attacked racially. You know, they can't call you anything, Kevin. I mean, they may hate you. They're oh, you, no, call you, you you'd actually, you'd actually be surprised. You know, if you, uh, you know, the fact that I embraced Islam, uh, kind of makes me a, uh, yeah. an unofficial, uh, whatever, you know, N word or whatever. They, they, you know, they, they kind of, in a way, they almost hate you more because you're, you're a traitor to, to their, uh, yeah. their racial utopia. Yeah. It's funny because I actually, like you, I actually have, uh, a more of an open mind about, these people and some of their uh, interpretations of things uh, than than most folks do, you know. I mean, I'm and I'm happy to bring folks on, you know, if, if they're intelligent and well spoken and can put out a good argument for their point of view, which people like sure. Jared Taylor and Kevin McDonald can. I'll bring those guys on my radio show, and I have, and I'm open to listening and dialogue with them. But some of them are so emotional that you know they they'll just categorize you. In your case, they'll they'll. You know, you're not, you're not white, so you're the bad guy. And in my case, I'm a traitor to the white race, so I'm the bad guy. 
and, and then but they'll they just got go nuts. Reed for the same reason because he, he marries a Mexican, and uh, you know, yeah, they do they do nasty things. But but here's the thing, man. Even when I write a sympathetic sympathetically towards them, they attack me, and I'm just like, these people are really stupid. Like when I wrote about Flannery O'Connor, okay, and her caricature of, of poor whites, all right. And I did preface it by saying that she is a top-rate writer, but, you know, here is an, an angle, here is an angle, here is an issue that should be addressed. You know, her caricature of poor whites. They, some of them attacked me for being jealous of, of whites. I mean, they didn't even read the article, okay? Or they read it so badly, and they, they routinely do this. They do not read my article, and they just attack me, you know? In an article where I felt pity for whites, they said I was jealous of, of whites. You see, they turn it all around. And so they, they keep doing this. I'm thinking, man, these people are just idiotic. And here's another thing, man. If you just go on Uns and then you search for the word nigger, it turns up so many places. I mean, it's like a routine, okay? And it, for example, like, um, or gook or chink, whatever, any of those words. But nigger is like, the, the, you know, the, uh, the most common word that shows up all the time. Like, uh, for example, during a, a recent, um, the, the Olympics, right? Uh, uh, Simone uh, Biles, the, the gymnast. I don't really watch that stuff, but Simone Biles was attacked by the Uns readers for nothing. I mean, she has nothing to do with anything. Okay, they just upset that there is so much focus on a black athlete. Okay, so they call her Simeon Biles, and they thought it was hilarious. I mean, what kind of what kind of a what kind of a forum where where something that idiotic is seen as as witty as a witticism? You know, so Simone Biles is called Simeon Biles. And, uh, you know, the first guy who say that, the second guy say, well, oh, wow, I wish I, I came up with that. So they start calling us Simeon Biles. So if that's the only view, man, I don't need to be a part of it. OK, now I want to I want to make a point here. This is very funny. I mean, I don't think Ron has bad intentions. OK, he defends his his liberal uh, comment policy as free speech. And actually, because the free speech is being shut down almost everywhere else now. The UNS review is actually doing a good job by allowing people to talk. But here's the thing. That same pretext have, has been used by Jews, okay, to push pornography, to push the worst kind of black music, okay? I mean, to, to bring the culture down to a very uh, disgusting level. Well, don't forget and, the best kind of black music, too. But, but, but the best, best kind of black music, music doesn't, need, doesn't need the free speech protection, yeah, that, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you're, talk, you're talking about like the uh, gangster rap and stuff like that. Right, right, and, and, and pornography. So Jews have always been the forefront of, of, of pushing pornography, the worst pornography, and the worst kind of music. Okay, I mean like the most violent kind of music, most misogynist, most racist. And they say this is a free speech issue. But 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 but, okay? but 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 wait a minute, Lynn. This is so ironic because what you're saying right now is something that probably the only place you can say that is over at the Uns Review. <laughs> what and my the radio show? I, can, I know, I know, and I know because I mean, at the Unsubi, you also have like Ronald, we you know whom you translated. I mean, he's one of the best minds out there, and uh, E. Michael Jones. You know, you have some of the brilliant people, most brilliant people out there who are censored everywhere else. So the Unsubi is is a great source for you know for really uh, sharp thinking. But on the other hand, you know, it's also a place where, you, where people can point to and say, "Look, man, look at the people who look at the comments." All right, I mean, these are the idiots. Who hate Jews? Who who you know? Who what whatever you know? Um, look at how stupid they are! Look at how disgusting they are! They can call one of their writers a gook and get away with it, okay? And there's something wrong, okay? When the when the editor 
I mean, uh, Ron, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, um, it, uh, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that he has bad intentions, but he has to realize something is wrong when his forum is dominated by assholes. Okay. Because, you know, blacks don't comment there. Orientals don't comment there. And very few women don't, very few women comment there because they get hounded away. Okay. So what is he doing that encouraged such a, uh, such an ugly demographics? All right. And I can say, well, Andrew Anglin, Andrew Anglin actually makes some good points, but he is so nasty and so ugly. Okay. He brings in thousands of these idiots. Okay. And Sailor, okay. Steve Sailor, I'm going to call him out too. All right. Steve Sailor is actually a very good writer and, a, and a, actually a very good thinker, but he plays up the racial angle. He knows, he knows where not to cross the line as far as in his own writing, but you know that he's always Play, you know, he's playing to his crowd, which is a very racist crowd. All right. Because a lot of the nastiest comments I get when I check to see what else they read, because you can read the comment history. They, 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 they hop over from the sailor. You know, they, after they read the daily sailor, they jump over to me and, 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 and curse me out. Now, since Ron moderates my, my comments, I'm sure he deletes a lot of gook, 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 you know, because he knows that's just not acceptable. But so a guy can, 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 he's prevented from calling me a gook after my article, but then he goes to another article, he uses gook, gook, gook. So, you know, these are the people I'm writing for. But why? You know, it just, it's pointless. All right? So, um, it's sad to see the uns being reduced to, to this cesspool. I mean, they are the most uncivilized, the most barbaric people out there. All right? Which is very ironic because they're always talking about subhumans. You know, and simians and whatever. Well, well it's they a cla classic Freudian stuff. mechanism of projection, right? Where you project onto others what you don't like about yourself. So people who have a problem suspecting that they themselves are barbarians or... Uh, I don't think they suspect that, Kevin. I really don't suspect that. I don't think they suspect that. I think they're so arrogant. Yeah. You know? Well, maybe some I mean, of them, yeah. But no, I think there is a whole history of particular white racism against blacks and of course, at some level, you know, cer certain kinds of white people have often sort of seen everybody uh, beyond their own small uh, corner of the northwest fringe of Europe as black, right? Like the uh, the what do they say the uh, the uh, uh, what, what was the word they used? Not the not the the N word start at Calais, but it was the the wogs. The wogs start at Calais, and wog oh, yeah. was a kind of a yeah. British uh, term for uh, dark skinned people. Uh, anyway, the, I, I think that these uh, you know, this white kind of approach, you know, the white racism uh, tradition, has often kind of projected its own. You know, it's it's, it's kind of repressed itself. Like if you, if you look at especially sort of Protestant uh, northern Midwestern white culture, which you know, I'm pretty close to that here in Wisconsin and there's Garrison Keeler up in the twin cities repenting. Yeah, there's a certain uh, kind of repressed button down inability to sort of admit to the, the lower uh, desires uh, and physicality and things like that. The kind of stuff that you write about so well, actually, you're one of the great explorers of those you know dimensions of experience, but the white people, uh, especially Protestants and further North are really uncomfortable with that kind of stuff. And so then they kind of repress it and they, of course, have a hidden love of it that then comes out as, as hating the dark skinned other for embodying 
the part of themselves that they're repressing. And of course, I don't think they know they're doing it. In many cases, it is general. It's literally unconscious. I mean, Freud actually was right about a lot of things as well as wrong about a lot of things. And this, I think he nailed that mechanism of projection. So I think that's, that's part of the issue. But, you know, getting, getting back to the problem with the UNS review, you know, I, I, uh, encountered this myself and kind of, you know, thought it over. And in defense of, of Linz's, uh, seemingly insanely open moderation policy, which combined with his embrace of some of these racialists, you know, leads to this problem that you're describing. Uh, the, I've come to terms with it just by seeing, okay, so there are a bunch of idiots who display their own idiocy in the comment section that actually reflects poorly on them and it doesn't reflect poorly on me. And then they're, what they're doing when they comment on my stuff is that they're, they're just adding more comments. And so one of the ways that people decide whether they're going to read an article or whether it's going to pay attention to it is how many comments it draws. And so if some moron comes and leaves a moronic comment on my article, number one, he's displaying his own idiocy. Number two, he's adding a number <laughs> to the number of comments to make it look like my article is generating more reactions. Uh, and so keeping that in mind and keeping in mind that you can also go and you can just, if you want to, you can go and label these comments, just label troll. There should be a way to label them as, as idiot as well. But unfortunately the only thing you can do to, uh, to label them as something, uh, pejorative is to call them a troll. Uh, but, but, but Kevin, getting yeah. back to what I said about the, 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 the relative absence of non-white, uh, 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 commenters. Okay. And, and, and the, the relative absence of female commenters. Okay. So, why should the conversation be dominated by, by idiots? You know, I mean, there are also good commenters. Okay. But, but the idiots just drown out, you know, I mean, sometimes they hijack the whole conversation and a lot of times they even, they're not even talking about what's in the article. Okay. And you can say, well, these are paid trolls, but I don't think so. I think these are, they are generally that, that obnoxious and that stupid. Well, there may be a combination they're, of, they're of obsessive. trolls. Yeah. No. There may, Maybe some paid huh? trolls and also encouraging this, the, the stupid people. And, and, and it is a problem. You have to kind of, if you're going to read the comments at the end's review, you really have to be able to speed read and kind of skim because you, you have to just kind of quickly dismiss the stupid people and skim over a long list of comments to find the good ones. And there are good ones, but they're kind of buried, yeah. you know, nuggets, you know, in a, in a kind of a barren landscape. And so you do waste time kind of having to, you know, to, in a situation where maybe only one out of, a, of every five or 10 comments is really worth reading uh, and, and maybe two or three out of every 10 are, are actually kind of obnoxious or, or really, you know, really stupid. Uh, it, it does kind of waste your time to have to kind of skim through all that. And so if you did have somebody moderating the comments uh, and, and theoretically making them better, that would be great. On the other hand, when you start moderating comments, you end up with the problem that I have at Veterans Today, which is that the uh, self the management at Veterans Today is notorious for being quite heavy handed and often uh, kind of kind of irrational in the way they monitor their comments. And I constantly get complaints about this, and I have to keep telling people I don't moderate these comments. If you know, if you're leaving this perfectly reasonable comment that's getting uh, censored by the management of VT. I can't really do anything about it because I have limited time to get into these kinds of battles. So I'm, I'm putting up with, uh, with, you know, too much moderation and, and not really high quality moderation all the time at VT. Then I'm putting up with a total lack of moderation at UNS. Uh, and I guess I'm just going to live with it but, because but listen, I can get readers from my articles that way. And Colin can moderate. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, what's, what's well, so why that? is that? Why, why do you, I, I, you know, if you, I don't if, you know. if you, if you, if you had sent me this, you know, you sent me an email a couple of days ago 
uh, you know, saying you weren't going to post it anymore. And, uh, if you had sent that email 12 hours earlier, I could have brought this up when I had, uh, dinner with Ron. I had dinner with him a few days ago out in the Bay Area. And I could have uh, picked his brains on it. Who knows? Maybe I could have convinced well, him maybe to give you interview him and, and, moderation and, and, power. And, and get him to explain his policies. But anyway, I'm I'm tired of it, man. I, I, you know, it's like you go to this you go to this uh, bar, okay, and maybe only two out of ten guys are assholes. But you're just sick of it, man. And, you know, it's like every time you walk into the bar, somebody say "gook" or "nigger," you know, uh, within your earshot, right? You know, or they mumble something about you. I mean, I say, well, fuck it. I don't need to. I don't need to hang out here. All right. I mean, the people who really need to read me can find me at my blog. And and if that's that's only a small crowd, I'm fine with that. Because, you know, it was getting distracting because I, I, I found myself arguing against these morons in my articles. OK, and I don't need to do that. All right. So I need my headspace free of, of just the, the stupidity. The, and here's a, one thing I want to raise. Another issue I want to raise is impotence. OK, these guys are basically impotent. And, and maybe that's why they, they hate me, because I call them out for, for that. I call them cowards, okay? Because I mean, they, you know, they cannot they cannot do anything about their uh, predicament, you know, their national predicament or their racial predicament. So they lash out at people like me, and they lash out at uh, you know the, the Afghan refugees, you know, or they lash out at Muslims, you know. So I mean, even with the even with the uh, the recent uh, Afghanistan uh, fiasco. Uh, Many of them were upset that, you know, now the United States will have to accept these Afghan refugees. But the thing is, if you don't want refugees, don't destroy other people's societies. That's that's a basic point. And they refuse to even go there. OK, they just upset that there's going to be Afghans moving in. Well, that's, I don't think that's okay. always true. Lynn. I think that some some of them, the, the smarter ones uh, on the alt right were some, some of you know, actually, Ang, Andrew Anglin, for example, wrote a great piece sort of cheering for the Taliban. Uh, and and uh, so a lot of them are are fully aware that you know 9/11 was a false flag. These wars were insane and evil. And that yes, if you don't want floods of refugees, uh, then you shouldn't be destroying their countries. Of course, my objection to them is that they're so they have seemingly zero compassion at all for these people that whose countries they've destroyed. All they care about is putting up walls on the borders to keep such people out. And that's, of course, uh, kind of kind of a, a lame way of seeing things, and, and a you know way of seeing things that shows such an inability to see and feel from the other person's perspective that it kind of you know almost means that they're they're not really you know being fully human. And it'd be nice if there was a way to help some of these people um, <laughs> move towards uh, fuller humanity. But I don't I don't know if that's going to happen in this lifetime for many of them. Well, England England mocked the, the terrified refugees. He said, "Run, faggots, run." Uh, that statement alone is wrong on so many levels. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what makes them faggots? I mean, that, uh, you know, and, and what's what's wrong with faggots? Little, I mean, it just what the, what what are you talking about? Okay, so he he's, he say, look at them running, run faggots, run. He called them sluts and sinners. And so I address this very statement. I say, well, I mean, if 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 these Afghan so-called collaborators deserve to be killed. Which country has provided the most collaborators to the evil American empire? America, of course. Okay, so should they be killed too? You see, they, they don't see they, 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 the complicity in this. You understand? I mean, you know, they work for, um, they work for defense contractors. They sign up to, to go to foreign wars. They vote in war criminals. And, but they don't see any responsibility. They don't accept any responsibility. 
Okay, so so when you see refugees running, you know, some of them can say, run, faggots, run. And they, they start to worry about Afghans moving in. But you caused this whole disaster. And they've been doing it over and over again. Okay, so like 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 um, uh, Muslims are moving into Europe. I mean, who, who's causing all this? And you, and you can trace it back. They don't, they don't see far enough. And it's not just the American military. A lot of time, it's the Jews. Okay, and they don't go. They don't dare to go there. The Jews cause America to destroy Muslim countries, and the Jews push Muslims into Europe. Okay, but, but, that, but of, that, that is what a lot of these alt-right people are saying. Yeah, but but not enough. But not enough. But you know, like the, 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 in the latest round, of, I mean, okay, uh, Ilana Mercer say that uh, that that the Afghan refugees should be vetted uh, for religion. You know, like the the, uh, the title of her piece is "Vetting Afghan Immigrants for Religious Comorbidity," and in parentheses, Islam. I mean, what kind of a stupid comment is that? Yeah, it's, it, it, I agree. It's it's completely insane. Uh, but some of the stuff is is I mean that that's insane. And actually, she I think is is basically uh, completely insane on the topic of Islam and maybe some <laughs> other topics as well. Uh, but some of these people, like for instance, Anglin who is, uh, uh, I admit, he's utterly, you know, obnoxious, but that's, I think, an intentional strategy of the way he writes. And his particular brand of obnoxiousness often involves uh, exaggerating, we're uh, using the, you know, the rhetorical trope of hyperbole to illuminate something in a, a way it makes it humorous, but it also kind of brings it to visibility and it's 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 obnoxious, and so you, it's it's repulsive at one level. It's humorous at another level, and then there's a level where it's actually there's some truth in it, and it's it's hidden truth. It's truth that you're not allowed to express anywhere else. And that's, well, for I example, agree. your your, your run fag it's run example points. is a perfect example of that because what what he's you know that that as you say that's insanely obnoxious. On the other hand, there's a level of truth that afghans who collaborated with the occupation of their country are traitors just like people who have you know if we were invaded and occupied here in the united states the people who collaborated with the occupation when there was a, a just and noble struggle against the occupation would but be Kevin, seen Kevin, as traitors that would make that would make all of america traitors because they've been collaborating with the people who are destroying them and there's some truth you know, to all, that too i mean and these are the, all that's, the military vets are traitors well, that, that yeah, but that's the whole Pentagon is a bunch of traitors. Yeah, I, I don't agree. I don't disagree. I mean, knows a traitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, three hundred fifty million Americans are all traitors because they keep voting for the same war criminals. You see, what I'm saying. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think there's a there's a level of truth to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but see, these kinds of uh, perspectives, which have a lot of truth to them, are completely taboo in the mainstream. And when these you know, crazies like Andrew Anglin. Uh, express some of these things, you know, and, and, you know, put out a little bit of this taboo truth. The fact that these, these people who collaborated with the Americans in Afghanistan, who were seen in the mainstream liberal journals as the good guys, as the enlightened pro-feminist, pro-LGBTQ, pro-democracy, uh, you know, friends of America, and we should open our doors to them. That's kind of the official liberal position. And that's blind to a certain truth and the real, you know, that sure. level of truth that so these I'm people are traitors and yeah. collaborators to their own country. And so yeah. at least Anglin sees that and he expresses it in a grossly exaggerated and obnoxious way, but he's expressing a truth in that way. And it's also funny. So I, I, I would, I would defend well, Kevin, some of that. He's encouraging the assholes, you <laughs> yeah. know, to yeah. rage against Muslims, to yeah. rage against uh, war refugees. To, you know, to rage against Mexican busboys, to rage against me. You understand? Yeah. Because all they worry about is, 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 the, is the, the dilution of 
uh, you know, of, of the white race, okay? But they don't understand that America does this. America and the Jews, when I mean, they do this together, okay? They destroy one country after another. They cause the refugee crisis. They, they cause one refugee crisis after another, all right? So they should focus on that, you know, instead of, instead of calling me a gook or laughing at Afghans. You understand? Because I was a war refugee too, you know? And here's the thing. When you are born into a society, I mean, you know, people who were born into Kabul, I mean, America was there 20 years. You know, you're in that society, you work within that system. It's not called collaboration because that's, that's the system. All right. What are you going to do? Run into the hills and join the Taliban? Okay. If Americans are advocating that, how come they're not, uh, uh, starting the guerrilla bands? Well, I, I, I can, I can know, relate you, to, I can relate to that perspective, Lynn. Like I got it, basically since I got looked into 9-11 and finally kind of it pushed me over a certain line. And I said, well, I'm just going to do this truth jihad thing and go all out in terms of communication um, against these bastards. But if I hadn't been able to do that, if it ever was to reach the point that I couldn't wage my truth jihad but with Kevin, words, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to pick up a gun price. and I'm going to consider everybody everybody who supports this current Kevin. regime in the United States as a scumbag and a traitor that deserves to die. And I can see how people trying Kevin, to liberate Afghanistan would see things the same price. way. You in lost your, your, your academic job. You see what I'm saying? You pay a price. You made a decision. Okay? I pay a price. I could have been, I could have been, you know, a pamper writer. They would have loved my ass if I just went along with the, you know, white people are evil and, you know, I'm a suffering Vietnamese, you know, uh, you napalm me. You know, if I went along with that bullshit, I mean, I mean, I mean, America did napalm people, but, you know, they want me to keep going on and on about it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that was my, my role. Yeah. But I did not, I did not go there. Okay. I did not go there. I mean, I, you know, I've talked about the war, but, you know, I'm not going to talk about it forever because I have other things on my mind. You understand? So anyway, but, you know, I, I cross so many lines when I talk about 911, when I did, you know, when I talk about Obama, and then when I finally talk about Jewish power, which came later because my education didn't take me there in the beginning. You know, I mean, I, you know, I had to learn. So anyway, I pay a price, too. And you pay a price. But most of these assholes who are, who are, who are cursing at me or, or mocking you, they don't pay any price. Okay. They don't, yeah, and they don't even use their real anything. names. They're really willing collaborators, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, what, what get, collaborators. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them are. And, and they want, in order to remain collaborators, they, co they become cowards and use these pseudonyms. Uh, they refuse to use their real names. Most of these commenters probably are holding down decent jobs and they don't want to mess with their yeah. careers. So they come up with a false name. So they can uh, make even these writers, kinds of comments. Kevin, even yeah. writers use false names. Okay, yeah. that's why the whole uh, white uh, nationalism movement is go nowhere. Yeah, because I, I, even yeah. some of the top writers are hiding. Yeah, I, I, told, I told I told uh, John Ravuski, you know, our, our, our mutual friend, uh, who himself has kind of gone completely, ex you know, in this into this kind of extreme war on uh, on uns and stuff, and and he actually agrees with you and with us about the, some of the problems with this comments policy and the kind of people that are encouraged to, to do those kind of comments. But what really drove John up the line, I explained this to Ron, actually, because, you know, they, obviously there's no <laughs> real mutual co comprehension between those two guys. I, I, I defended John to Ron and told him, look, that, you know, whatever you think about, you know, some of the way John can react to, uh, to people and stuff, the original fight that got him into trouble with, with, uh, with the UNS review was all about, you know, John threatening to dox some guy, some coward who was being, you know, being a complete asshole under an assumed name. John's using his real name. Now, to me, that 
gives John a certain moral authority over this guy. And uh, so I told Ron that, that, you know, big problem for me with that comments policy of these in, insanely uh, obnoxious uh, and often very stupid people protecting themselves by operating under pseudonyms. And that, in fact, long ago, I had considered, uh, you know, arguing that there shouldn't be any pseudonyms on the internet. You should, everybody should have to use their real name. And in Ron's response was, well, nobody would, you know, everybody wants to use, not use their real name. And I said, well, they're all, they're all cowards and traitors then. And I guess they are. And so really we're talking about the so-called free speech rights of a bunch of cowards and traitors who think that their careers and reputations are more important than telling the truth as they see it under their real names. And so those people have no integrity whatsoever. And really there is no reason why they should have any free speech. But, but Kevin, here's the thing, man. The irony of it all is that, you know, we are paid to say what we need to say. All right. So although we are paid to say, I mean, they, they mock me as being a bum. Like, you know, I mean, it's just absurd. I mean, they don't pay anything and they, they keep attacking me who actually have paid a price for my free speech. Okay. And you have too. Uh, now there's a guy named Andy Low, you know, the, the, the Vietnamese American guy out in Portland. Now I, you know, I don't agree with everything he does. I mean, there are things that I think he should go a lot further. And, you know, I don't even know, like, what he really thinks about some issues. But at least he's out there, okay? He puts his face out there. He put his name out there. He put his body out there. He's been attacked, okay? So that's correct. Yeah, yeah, and these okay? Antifa, the fight. Antifa cowards who are attacking him and beating him up and stuff, they're all not only operating under pseudonyms. They're too cowardly to be themselves and admit who they are, but they're all covering their faces as they beat him up. Right. I mean, what what a bunch of scumbag, worthless cowards. I mean, this whole cloaking anonymity slinking around in the shadows thing, I suppose that's what you have to do when you're literally And they war. gang up on him, man. It's yeah. like ten, it takes 10 of them to beat up this Vietnamese-American gay guy. Yeah, all right? yeah, it's so, so he who? Who's the coward? Yeah, all right. Yeah. So, I mean, so my attackers are the same, man. It takes 10 of you to hide your face and, and gang up on me, you know? Okay. So who, who's the better patriot? Any go or, 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 or these Antifa? Who's the better trade patriot? Me or these, these, uh, white asshole faggots, you know? I mean, come on, man. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. But, but see, the thing is, Lynn, I've been reading your stuff at UNS for a long time and, uh, when I see, you know, I read your piece, which is your stuff is always very well written and well observed, you know, really good stuff. And then I quickly kind of skim through the comments and I notice, you know, there are the, there are idiots and then there are good commenters and stuff. And sometimes I see you engaging with the idiots and, you know, you're obviously right. Uh, when there's that kind of engagement, sometimes I think, you know, why did Lynn even bother doing with this guy in the first place? But ultimately you win that argument. And I come out of the experience of reading your article and skimming and the comments, reading a few of them, like with a higher opinion of you. And so I don't really think that, you know, even though you could say, say these people are polluting your writing with, with these stupid comments, I don't think it's really affecting you. So I don't, I don't think you've, you know, in, at the end of the day, uh, continuing to publish there and putting that stuff out there and having that conversation there, I don't think it, it, it works against you at all. I think it actually works in favor of you. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm tired. I've had enough, man. I'm, I'm just <laughs> going to stick to my blog, you know, uh, you know, um, I don't need to, uh, court or please anybody, you know, that's in, in the end, I mean, we, we operate on that premise anyway. You know, we, we do what we do because we need to do it. All right. So even if we have, even if it's, it has a negative effect on our pocketbooks or on our reputation, 
we need to do what we do because we're pursuing a truth, some kind of truth, okay? So I'm, I'm going to do that without the distraction of morons, you know, snapping at my ankles, yeah? All right. Well, hey, we hit just about the end of the hour, so this would be a good time for you to give us the name of your blog, which will be the exclusive place for your writing, except, I guess, when you let me publish some of it over at Veterans Today. So where where can people go to find your work from now on? Uh, just, just, just Google my name and LinkedIn blog, you know, that's the easiest way. Okay. Linden, okay. L-I-N-H-D-I-N-H. Yeah. And uh, you know, the, it's actually LinkedIn photos at Blogspot, but you know, I mean, don't, don't bother. Just put, just Google my name and blog and it should show up. And, and I, at least, I at least until Google photos. deplatforms you. <laughs> well, yeah, I shouldn't even say Google, but you know, out of habit. Yeah. Yeah. They, maybe they, <laughs> maybe I'll just be, they, maybe they're if just, they haven't, they're not, they're not doing their job. Not paying attention. Yeah, yeah, they're not. Wait, don't don't give me any idea. They they're listening in, man. So. Oh man, they uh, probably are. All right. Well, yeah. hey, thanks, Lynn. It's always great touching base with you. Keep up the great work. And I, I actually kind of appreciate your your battle with uh, all kinds of idiots. Uh, and I hope you'll continue to keep on battling, maybe with with you know fewer distractions from having to wade into comment sections yeah, to fight yeah. against idiots. <laughs> so and, and enjoy South Africa, and you know, God bless. Maybe I'll get over there to see you sometime. Inshallah. Well, why don't you come down, man? Seriously. It sounds yeah, like it. Well, I'll talk, I'll talk to my wife about that. City, yeah. Okay. Wonderful place. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. All right. Take care, Lynn. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Bye.